the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. It continues to amaze Bitcoin purists that the cryptocurrency trades much like a tech stock. In other words, Bitcoin goes up and down more or less in tandem with an index like the NASDAQ or S&P 500. And that seems to have been true in recent times. A superficial reading of the charts does suggest that there is some form of correlation between Bitcoin and tech stocks. But when you put the numbers under a microscope, a different picture emerges. A study by Blockchain Center, which monitors cryptocurrency price movements, shows that Bitcoin was actually uncorrelated to the S&P 500 between 2019 and 2021. More recently, that correlation has grown much closer, but that appears to be a feature of the times. During any flight from risk, both equities and Bitcoin take a knock. In less risky times, Bitcoin forges a completely independent path. Now, many Bitcoin fans are waiting for the day that Bitcoin finally breaks any correlation to equities and strikes off on a path to the moon. The question is, why should Bitcoin display any correlation to equities since they're based around entirely different valuation models? Well, joining us to solve this puzzle is Davi Ruit, Chief Economist at the Efficient Group, and he's no stranger to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast. Welcome back, Davi. It's good to have you on again. We've seen periods when Bitcoin seemed highly correlated to equities and other times when it was not. Why is that? Thank you very much for asking me again. Well, I think the short answer to that is is that we use the same ruler to measure changes to the equity market or the bond market or the crypto market for that matter. And the ruler that we're currently using is called the US dollar. So when the dollar goes up, other things goes down and there seems to be a correlation between certain things like, like, like stocks, for example, or cryptos or whatever the case might be. But quite often what we're actually seeing is more a case of the US dollar itself changing its value, going up or down or what. But, but you know, uh, I've listened to your introduction um, about the past two years, 2019 to 2021. I think you, you mentioned was the time frame that you've mentioned. I think that is, I think it's far too early to say whether uh, something like crypto or Bitcoin or any one of those private currencies, I prefer to call it private currencies. It's just too far to say whether there will be and should be a correlation uh, between them and the value of of these so-called cryptos and and stocks. Uh, What is currently happening, however, and you also did mention risk, a flight to risk, of flight away from risk, and that is that the US dollar at the moment is a very, very strong currency. They are obvious and very easy to understand reasons why that is the case. And the reasons are simply because in the case of the United States, they are increasing interest rates. If you increase interest rates, then you support your currency. And when a dollar goes up, other things goes down. So that's a short-term phenomenon that we're currently experiencing. But but I think I must disagree with you that there is a, there's a flight to quality uh, because I it will not be difficult for me to see the day arise where there will be a flight away from risky things like, for example, the euro. Because what is happening in, in Euroland at the moment can eventually lead to, well, the euro falling much, much more than what we've seen recently. And that could actually be another trigger getting people to go, go into something else where they feel safer. And who knows? It could just be Bitcoin or one of these other cryptos. I mean, the, the skeptics, the Bitcoin skeptics, are, they continually point to the difficulty in valuing something like Bitcoin. Why should it be worth $67,000 one month and then down to $22,000 the next month? Uh, it doesn't really have an earnings flow in the same way that a stock like Apple or Amazon does. If that's the case, how do we value something like Bitcoin? 
you shouldn't value it like this because, well, how should you value the US dollar? How should you value the South African rand? The, the rand is not valued based on some GDP divided by the money supply, for example, and neither is the US dollar valued based on that thing. The value of a currency today is based on one thing and one thing only, and it's based on trust, whether people have got confidence in that specific currency or not. It is possible to value certain kinds of crypto, so-called stable coins. You can value them because they can can have an underlying cash flow. But in the case of things like, for example, Bitcoin, which is a good example, you simply cannot value it as if it is some kind of asset. Because it, I think it's got characteristics of an asset, but certainly it's got characteristics of, an, of a currency, and currencies cannot be valued in a traditional way. Okay, we've seen unprecedented rates of money printing across the globe, and that is the cause of the inflation that we're seeing everywhere. I mean, rates of 8% and higher in the developed world, and South Africa's catching up to that pretty fast. Ironically, you've got to go back to, I think it was the 1980s, to find a time when South African inflation was below that of U.S. inflation. Now, Bitcoin was invented to solve this kind of reckless monetary expansion. What do you think? Will it succeed in providing an alternative currency to fiat currencies or are fiat currencies doomed in the long run? I think there are two answers to that, and that is that I think, without a doubt, and maybe I can just make one or two comments, and that is that there was a time, I can't remember when it was, somewhere in the 2000s, when South Africa's inflation was actually below that of the U.S., apart from now, but that's uh, that, But usually, you're absolutely right, uh, over time, the South African inflation rate is usually much higher than that of the U.S., and that is the fundamental reason why the South African currency is losing its value. What we've also seen the past 10, 15 years is that central banks have been creating so much money out of nothing, and clearly what is happening is that people are losing confidence in money. And the definition for inflation is things are getting more expensive, but another definition for inflation is money losing its value. And I think exactly that is what we are currently seeing, and that has to do with reckless fiscal and monetary policy the last couple of years. What will eventually happen is that I think one or two things. I think uh, we are in the and the beginning of a revolution in, in finance and on the financial markets in a way that we are doing banking. I think private sector monies, it will not necessarily be Bitcoin, it could be something else, but private sector monies will certainly remain relevant and may become much, much more important. And I think they could eventually rival central bank money or fiat currency. And the fiat currency is also likely to change. And central banks are thinking of issuing their own uh, central bank digital currencies. Many of them are already have already issued their own central bank digital currencies, and I think in the end it will be it will be a, a rivalry between private sector money uh, and central bank digital currencies, which uh, is perhaps a good thing because that will keep central bank on their toes to make sure that they act, act not uh, recklessly like the way that the Fed has been doing the past couple of years and many of the other big central banks in the world as well. So there are exciting times ahead. What it's going to look like in the end. I'm not sure, but what I'm very sure of, it's going to look completely different from what we have currently. You raised the subject of central bank digital currencies, and South Africa's got a pilot going on. Many countries in the world, Nigeria's got a, a pilot going on investigating central bank digital currencies. Now, there's a lot of controversy and debate around the world about that because what you are going to have is a digital version of the kind of reckless behavior that we've already seen over the last couple of decades. Uh, one interesting experiment that did happen was on Marshall Islands, where they've introduced a CBDC alongside the U.S. dollar as the as legal tender. Now, built into that CBDC is a, a maximum cap of 4% inflation. 
which is an interesting development if this is the way that other governments around the world go, where they actually get – you cannot change this. This is programmed into the CBDC, 4% inflation. What do you think of that as, as an experiment? Yeah, it would be interesting how the thing how it pans out eventually. Um, it can be done technically to sort of program a certain rate of inflation into your central bank digital currency. But I think the real benefit of a central bank digital currency is that it will put it in, um, it will put it, it will force it to compete with with, cent- with private sector uh, digital currencies. And I like the free markets, and I think the free markets will eventually make sure that the badly run central bank or uh, digital currencies, whether it's central bank or private sector issued uh, uh, digital currencies, will eventually disappear the badly run ones, and, uh, and the stronger ones will remain. I I have one major issue, however, with a central bank digital currency, and it really depends on how you approach a central bank digital currency. There are basically two, and I'm not te- technologically that strong, so forgive me, yeah, but there are two ways that I understand the central bank can issue a digital currency. The one is a so-called, let's call it an account approach, whereby the central bank knows everything that you are doing, everything. So in the past, you could use cash to walk around the corner to buy something illegal, uh, like a Zoll, for example, today, with a central bank digital currency and the account approach, they will know exactly what you are doing. And of course, that's the kind of information that they will pass on to the police or to the taxman or whatever the case may be. It makes you think of Big Brother, uh, but on steroids. The other way of doing or issuing a central bank digital currency is to get the banks involved some way, some way or the other. And if you get the banks involved, then you will lose some of that information and that will be much more acceptable. In fact, I think if let's call that the, the wallet approach. In fact, if central banks decide to go the the account approach, which seems to be, which will happen eventually, I think people will simply say, listen, I'm not prepared to share so much information with the authorities uh, and I would rather go for for a private sector digital currency or something else because I think they will misuse this information against me. And that in itself, I think, is something that will make uh, will make the life, the, the, the market ripe for the adoption or the wider spread adoption of private sector uh, currencies as well. I mean, a follow-on from that is, uh, are fiat currencies doomed in the long run? I mean, if you just look at the the loss of value in like the RAND since it came into being in 1961, it's, uh, it's less than, I, I think it's lost 95% of its value. Uh, in fact, nearly 99% of its value. Well, all currencies, uh, if you go through history, all currencies that fell under the control of some sort of authority, they've all either disappeared or in the process of disappearing. There's not one single exception. Uh, and remember, gold is not, it's a, it's a currency, it's money. It has been used as money for so long, but it's not its not the money that was issued by some sort of authority. They must use gold and they link something to gold, a piece of paper, they call it a note, and eventually they, they, they link another piece of information, an electronic piece of information to that piece of paper. And that is what fiat money basically is today. So if you think about that, Money started off, in the case of South Africa, it's a good example, as gold, because we had the gold standard globally, mostly, until 19, um, when was it, 1971. And from there on, we stepped off the gold standard, we go into a derivative of gold, which was uh, notes and coins. And today, we mostly make use of electronic money. So it's a derivative of a derivative. And money, the rand has lost 90% of its value the past, say, 50, 60 years or so. But the US dollar itself has lost something like 70% of its value. So all currencies are the control of some sort of authority always disappears or loses its value or is in the process of disappearing. In fact, uh, until about 10 or 20 years ago, how many? I think 15, 16 currencies disappeared in Europe. 
the drachma is not there anymore. The the German uh, uh, the German currency is not the German mark is not there anymore. And many other currencies they're all gone. And today it's the euro. And the European Central Bank is going out of their way to destroy the euro as well. And it will disappear eventually. It will be replaced by something else. But what that something else is, I'm not sure. I think it could be a combination of either central bank digital currencies and private sector digital currencies. But I'm pretty sure that the, the world of finance could look completely different. And banks, as another example, the way that we know and understand banking, that will change and that will look completely different in future as well. I want to go back to this point about the correlation between Bitcoin and equities. Do you see a time in the future where Bitcoin breaks free of any of this correlation or is the, the, the fact that interest rates are now being hammered up uh, in the U.S. and around the world, is, is that going to be always a feature of the Bitcoin market and is going to dictate the cycles? In fact, this correlation that we are, if there is a correlation, by the way, it seems to be, there be, seems to be a, some, a sort of correlation, but that can break down any time. But if there is a correlation, it's not necessarily a bad thing because a correlation also means that uh, these sort of assets and currencies are becoming more mainstream. We have seen the dollar appreciating against the euro recently uh, because of things like, for example, tighter, tighter monetary policy in the United States. So if the dollar goes up because of high interest rates and the euro goes down, that's okay because it means that's a normal market react. But if the dollar goes up and the Bitcoin, Bitcoin goes down, for example, that should also be okay, telling us that Bitcoin is becoming more acceptable as a normal currency and is being treated as a normal currency. In fact, I think this correlation that we do sometimes see is a sign of a market that is gradually getting more mature. I mean, you did raise the point a little bit earlier as to whether this is, Bitcoin is actually an asset or a currency. And it, in some ways, it's got the, the characteristics and the behavior of an asset. And in other ways, it's got the characteristics and behavior of, of a currency. So it seems this is a debate which is going to go on for a while. What, what, what do you think? Is it one or the other or both? I think what we're going to see in future is that currencies will, will specialize or money will specialize in certain things. And, and, and also, remember, these currencies can change it character, its characteristics. For example, you can buy a call instrument and it's a call instrument. Let's call it an NFT. That's a good example. So I buy an NFT and part of the contract in this NFT is it will convert into Bitcoin somewhere in the future. So it, today it's an NFT with certain characteristics and maybe with an underlying uh, f- flow of income. But in, in, in future, it may uh, be converted into something else. So I think it's, again, a little bit artificial to say this thing is either a currency or it is an asset. The, the reality is that technology is such today is that we can basically write contracts and and write programs uh, to, to fill whatever requirements we need in the financial markets. Uh, and uh, NFTs is a good example. You know, an NFT, I couldn't get my head around an NFT, for, and I still I don't really understand it fully. But that what I do know, the difference between an NFT and a Bitcoin, for example, is this, you can swap one Bitcoin for the other one. They are exactly the same, but you can't necessarily swap one NFT for another NFT. But you can swap an NFT for a Bitcoin, maybe, or vice versa, eventually. So those are the kind of changes that is taking place. And I, I think I think the world of finance, because of these sort of things, is going to look completely, completely different. And, you know, it, we should all be so excited about that because if you go through the developed or the evolution of money, uh, money started off as nothing because we uh, and we started off in a barter economy and it was extremely difficult to barter. And that is the only free lunch in an, in an economy and that is bartering to trade between individuals. Uh, allowing people to trade leads to a huge 
uh, amount of economic activity and a lot of value, value creation. And we needed money to make bartering easy. And, and as money evolved over time, bartering and trading becomes easier and easier. And every time money evolved, it led to this explosion in economic activities. And that's what we're going to see with, uh, with this new technology as well. Bitcoins and NFTs and all sort of derivatives from these things as well, because derivatives already exist for Bitcoins and for NFTs. And, uh, and I think all of this will simply make it easier f- to support that underlying, most important underlying economic activity. And that is for two individuals to trade between each other, because that is the only real free lunch. We've seen several crypto projects crash and burn in recent months. Uh, look at Terra, USD, Three Arrows, Capital, Celsius and others. What do you think? Is this a good thing for the long-term sustainability of the market, the fact that we're weeding out these less viable projects? Yeah, and I think, and again, I'm not technologically that strong. I think a, a part of the reason why many of these projects came to an end, crashing to an end, is because they were not fully backed. And that's the same with fiat currency. Fiat currency were initially backed by, well, notes were initially backed by gold. So we had gold and then eventually central banks kept less and less gold. They were only required to keep a certain amount of gold. And eventually they stepped off gold standard completely. And this is what many of these cryptocurrencies are trying to achieve. So they say, listen, I'm going to issue a cryptocurrency. It's backed by by X um, amount of assets. And as it turned out, when things really go bad, then they didn't have that amount of assets they promised. They had, of course, not in all cases, but that's a fundamental problem here, is that if you issue something and say, listen, the backing is a pot of gold somewhere and a pot of gold does not exist, then you will be caught out. And the financial markets caught many of these these guys out. I think it's a good thing. People must take responsibility for their own decisions. And I think that uh, eventually uh, these sort of things, it's not a bad thing trying it out, by the way. Because who knows, maybe we can get away with it and maybe we can get away with 80% of backing or 50% of backing, whatever the case might be. And there are financial instruments where you can actually do this. But I think we're busy with experimenting with these sort of things and eventually there will be some standard uh, that will crystallize, that will crystallize out, and we will know how to uh, what to back in future. Uh, something going down in flames is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just an experiment that went wrong, and we can learn out of that as well. Okay, Davi, final question: Is Bitcoin the first sound money that we've seen in our lifetimes, and if so, why? No, no, it's not. No, we've seen many sound monies in the past. I mean, gold and the various other metals were sound money as well. Uh, And I don't think necessarily that uh, fiat money is necessarily not sound money. It can be managed in a good way. And there are many examples where where there's so much trust in a specific fiat currency that people for for many, many years look at the Swiss franc as an example. So sound money can be a sound money for some time and then there's some sort of crisis and it will lose that that status or people simply lose confidence in that. Bitcoin is another example. There's a certain formula behind Bitcoin and the blockchain and how more of this money is created. And I think the basis of that is simply that you can create so much more of it and not more. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a good feature of, of Bitcoin. And that will certainly provide some support for Bitcoin for some time. But there are some downsides to Bitcoin as well. It's quite expensive to trade and some other technical issues as well. But, but yes, it can become a sound money. So far, I think uh, Bitcoin... Despite the fact that it has been quite volatile, I think it's been, given the fact that it's actually private sector issued and there's no central authority behind it, I think Bitcoin has been a a roaring success without a doubt. 
Davi Root, Chief Economist at The Efficient Group. Thanks so much for joining us on the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast. Thank you. My pleasure, of course. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.